This is Politico Energy. I'm Annie Snyder. President Joe Biden arrives in Scotland today for the UN's climate conference, but he won't have a congressional win in hand when he sits down with world leaders to negotiate. That's despite a last-minute push by the White House and a direct appeal from Biden to Democrats to try and reach consensus on a $1.75 trillion bill that would invest more than a half trillion dollars in fighting climate change. So far, key moderate Democratic senators have not explicitly committed to voting for the sweeping social and climate spending bill, and progressives are refusing to pass a separate $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill without assurances that the broader bill will pass. Now, Democratic leaders are hoping to tee up votes on both bills soon, potentially as early as Tuesday. Today, my colleague Kelsey Tamburino breaks down the state of play on Democrats' reconciliation bill and what it means for energy and climate programs. It's Monday, November 1st. Kelsey, last week was nuts. You were in the thick of all the action on the Hill. Give us a rundown on how things played out and where things stand now on reconciliation. So in the earlier part of the week, there was still a lot of negotiations happening and ironing out the details of what could be in this reconciliation package. And the pressure was on given the fact that the president is headed to the COP summit this week. Advocates and Democrats alike have called for Biden to have something in hand to show when he meets with world leaders on climate change. It emerged later in the week that a proposal from the White House would put the climate and energy figures around $500 billion. That framework was released Thursday morning, where we saw top-line numbers of what the administration would like to see in its reconciliation package. And the biggest proportion of that framework, which came in at about $1.75 trillion, would go towards climate and clean energy provisions. And so Biden got on the plane on Thursday evening to Rome with no tangible progress. Correct. I think that you'll see the president point to this framework when he's there. But yes, there's no bill passed. It's all still being negotiated. Okay. So you said that climate and energy programs got a sizable chunk of this less than $2 trillion spending bill. What were the big winners and losers when it comes to climate and energy? The draft bill that the House Democrats put out has a lot of interesting components to it. I think one of the most notable parts is the clean energy tax credits. There's extensions of a lot of things in there, and there's some new components for nuclear, clean hydrogen. But most notably, we saw an agreement between the House Ways and Means and the Senate Finance Committee who have had dueling approaches to the clean energy credits. Just as a reminder, um, the Ways and Means approach that passed out of that committee would have extended the credits and expanded them within the existing tax code. But the proposal that advanced out of the Senate Finance Committee earlier this year would have taken those credits and put them into three buckets for clean electricity, clean transportation, and energy efficiency. And it would tie those credits to emission reductions. So the tax savings would be directly connected to the amount of emissions cut. So that's definitely a different approach than we saw from the Ways and Means Committee. And it's been something that lawmakers had been talking about for a while, about which approach to go with. And ultimately what they decided is to kind of split the baby on this. So you're going to see five years of the Ways and Means approach before shifting to the Senate finance tech neutral approach. And that's something that we saw in the draft text. And that's going to be a wholesale change to the way that, you know, these clean energy tax credits are distributed. 
We also saw in the draft text the inclusion of a methane fee, which is something that lawmakers had been going back and forth on for days now. It wasn't included in the framework that the White House put out earlier in the day, but we did see it in the draft text out of the House from House Democrats. So that was also notable. There's also notable additions that we hadn't seen in previous packages of domestic manufacturing credits. So that's for wind and solar and really to bring manufacturing of a lot of these components of clean energy to the U.S. where they're traditionally right now made overseas. Some of the other notable things is that uh, we see a civilian climate core included. There's a green bank. That's another provision in this. There's money for electric vehicles. There's an EV tax credit actually that would go up to 12 thousand five hundred dollars for certain electric vehicles that you know are union made and with battery cells made in the U.S. Hmm. Okay so you said at a high level that it's unclear where some of the key key players stand on this bill overall. What about when it comes to climate and energy programs? Have Democrats managed to thread the needle and get consensus on those? I think so yeah. I mean a lot of the advocates that I've spoken to they're expecting to see changes in this draft bill as it goes through negotiations in the Senate, in the House itself, to get this to a final vote on the floor. But I think a lot of the areas that you could see changes are not the ones like the clean energy credits. I think those are pretty much set in stone. They will see, might see some technical changes, but I think the top level stuff is really what has been agreed to. Uh, I was on a call with John Podesta last week where he said that he expects what passes the House to be very close to final to what was released in the draft text. Got it. So what does this all add up to? How far do these climate and energy programs get the Biden administration towards its big emissions reduction goals? So there hasn't been a specific modeling done of this bill in this form, but I think the advocates and the analysts that I've spoken to say this can get the administration to a large chunk of its emission goals. This bill doesn't include the Clean Electricity Performance Program, which was going to cut carbon emissions in conjunction with the Clean Energy Credit. So with the Clean Energy Credit still being in there, the advocates are saying we can still breach the Biden administration's goals. But I still think that you'll see calls for more from advocates wanting more in this bill. But I think this is they are cheering what's included and the fact that this is a huge investment in climate, larger than what we've seen pass through Congress ever. Also, on Friday, the Supreme Court said it will take up a lawsuit from red states and coal companies aimed at limiting the EPA's climate authority. The High Court will consider if EPA can regulate carbon dioxide pollution from power plants under the Clean Air Act. A ruling could significantly restrict the Biden administration's plans to limit greenhouse gas emissions from the most polluting sector. For context, the electric utility sector has reduced its use of coal significantly over the past decade, but it remains one of the top sources of greenhouse gases in the country. The appeals will likely be heard by the Supreme Court in early 2022 and decided by next June. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our newsletter at politico.com morningenergy. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Brake Master Cylinder. I'm Annie Snyder, and we'll see you tomorrow.